Macariar to Stokes, who's onside. Wagner! Here's Sims to put Stokes this from Southampton. They could finish the job here. It's Shane Long, and he has done it! Just a minute to play. That's stoppage time. Here's Letizia! Looks like it's working after a previous full start. So, Tom, welcome, welcome back to the show. It feels like it's only been a little while since we last spoke. It has a few days, but uh, yeah, what an exciting game in between those few days, John. I, well, an exciting game, and also the rather kind of important news that you know, unless there's any Saints fans listening that don't know this yet, we are now safe. We've got another season in the Premier League guaranteed. So, so this is our celebration episode. <laughs> Put the champagne on ice. Yeah, well, I mean, last last time our our survival episode did involve champagne. Um, it also involved us getting more and more inebriated as the uh, as the episode wore on. And um, you know, someone actually uh, said on on Reddit of the Saints of Sue podcast, it was a little bit disappointed that he wouldn't have a progressively inebriated survival episode this season, and that we'd done it with you know such calmness. Um, oh, such uh, such a land towards the end as well. Such a shame. Yeah. But, you know, I, I think we know what we prefer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think probably all of our hearts are maybe better off. Although, you know, having looked at the way Saints play this game under Ralph Hasenhutl, looking at the last two games, the one-one against Watford, the three-three against Bournemouth, I think our hearts are in for a bit of a runaround with Ralph Hasenhutl. It's exciting stuff, isn't it? Yet we still can't defend. It's you know I, I, exciting is yeah I think I, I sometimes would prefer mundanity um, to exciting because the problem with Saints is too often the excitement is weighted in the favour of the opposing team rather than uh, rather than Saints but you know two good results and they got the results they needed to get yeah yeah and well and importantly so did Fulham um, you know which, which is I mean you never really wanted to rely on Fulham to to get you the get you over the line but uh, to be honest I, I think we were going to be there anyway um so we are now seven points clear from Cardiff they've only got two games to play mathematically um we're up we're we're staying in the Premier League um it's taken a couple of draws but really it was the the important win against Wolverhampton Wanderers that I think saw us safe um what, what I mean how, how should we do this Tom I've got a couple of emails uh, to get through uh, we've also got to do some running shout outs for Edward Marsh so I don't know if you want to shout some encouragement for him go on Edward you can do it this is the chap that's raising all that fantastic money isn't he but for the for um what's he is, what's it for again it's for the Saints Foundation yeah that's that's someone else that's oh, god damn it <laughs> that's all right Edward just listens whilst he runs so he wants to uh, he wants oh. us to give him running shout outs but yeah, why are you not running for some great cause, Edward? Or maybe you are. You should tell us, and we can we can push people towards it. Actually, you know who is running right now? Franny. Yeah, Franny, on his Iron Fran first first uh, first Iron Man of what is it? Seven Iron Men in a row. He's gonna do. The man's insane. He is pretty insane. Um, what what a man though. Yeah. What a specimen. 
What, what a hero. Well, let, let's let's go through the Bournemouth game. There's not much to talk about there. Then we'll get on to the listener emails. Um, so, I wasn't feeling particularly confident about this game. I, I felt like Saints just wanted to maybe extend the uh, relegation kind of fight a little bit longer. Kind of like, you know, like how we let Liverpool win at St. Mary's so that the <laughs> title race could continue a little bit longer. Um, and there were moments when, when we really tried to do that. Although... Once again, straight out the traps, Saints looked absolutely fantastic, loads and loads of pressure. And when we went up, 1-0 up, which I think was it, like in the 12th minute or something? 12th minute, yeah. Um, we we already looked like we could have had two or three goals by that point. Yeah, it was funny. Saints sort of really flew out. I mean, we know Bournemouth um, yeah, had a great first half of the season and tailed, tailed off in a serious way. Um, probably quite worrying way if you really how. And a, and a particularly poor away from home. But Saints sort of just sat at them, didn't they? Like, it was unrelenting, just wave after wave of attack and pressing from midfield. And the goal machine, the Irish Messi, popped up again. <laughs> the Irish Messi. Uh, I think you might need to get more than four goals in five games <laughs> to start drawing the uh, Messi comparisons. But it, but it is great, isn't it? You know, that, that Shane Long is suddenly looking like the Shane Long that we saw under Ronald Koeman. And I wonder, has it just been the dirge of football under the previous three managers before Ralph Hasenhut has come in? And now we can start to see, you know, the Shane Long that we that we know and love and the one that we know can score goals. But also, if you, if you look at the way the Saints play, isn't it, that it's all set up for Shane Long. You know, this sort of like really dynamic, aggressive, pressing game where, you know, every player is encouraged to steam into the goalkeeper or any defender that accidentally dwells on the ball for even a matter of milliseconds. So you can imagine, like, you know, Ralph almost sort of went to him, like, you, could, you know, you could sort of lead the line. And I think we're quite lucky because Danny Ings' goal-scoring form has tailed off. Um, or admittedly, has been injured. Um, but luckily, Shane Long has stepped up because, you know, if it wasn't for Shane, um, the last few games would have been a little bit more hairy. Yeah, absolutely. Although um, it feels a little bit trite to pick up Shane Long on his mistakes, considering the form that he's in. But we really should have been two up. Yeah, I don't think this misses as bad as everyone says. Maybe I'm being a bit charitable, but it kind of comes back and kind of hits him. He can't really do much about it. I mean, Gary Lineker on Twitter said it was the worst miss of the Premier League season. But compared to Sterling, I don't know if you remember Sterling earlier this season, missed from like a yard out with one of those just passes across the six, across the goal line that Man City is so good at. So, you know, I think he, he should have scored, but it wasn't the, the miss of the century. It wasn't Ronnie Rosenthal. No, no, it, it, it wasn't that bad. I mean, it all happened very, very quickly, I, I, I thought. Um, but still, even your kind of split-second reaction, you would expect him to be able to put it away. And then was, in the uh, end... There's a lot of goal to aim that, wasn't yeah. there? Um, in the end, we end up paying for it, don't we? Because you know a Bournemouth counter attack, which must be like the first time they pretty much got the ball into our half, they score. Yeah, and I, this is the thing we're saying. This is it's what Liverpool did to us, and I wonder if we are being a little bit um, brave. Is one way of putting it. Optimistic is another way. Foolish is probably the right way of putting it in terms of our defending at set pieces, because we do have this habit of leaving one man back, and um, we keep. You know, we do get caught. And, and to be fair to Bournemouth, they tore it. It's a brilliant counter attack. They tore us to shreds, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. It was it was very impressive, and a great finish. Yeah, um, I just 
we, we are susceptible to that. Um, and to be honest, though, that goal didn't annoy me as much as probably the one afterwards. Um, where, I mean, am I gonna, am, am I being really harsh to ask questions over Angus Gunn here? I don't know. I mean, I've watched it a load of times, and I can't work out if he really could have done anything else. The ball changes direction really, like, right in front of him. So he almost does well to get a hand to it. And yeah, of course, he should have, you know, getting a hand to it. Of course, you should push it out to the side. But, you know, I think as well, there's a couple of things. There's A, why are none of our centre-backs or defenders or anyone anticipating that second ball? And, you know, more than that, like, we were a bit just lackluster off the corner, weren't we, allowing David Brooks to sort of run with the ball and, and take a pop. I I don't put all the blame with Angus on this one. I think a lot of people on Twitter have been a bit tough on the guy. Yeah, I, d- I kind of I wonder if maybe he was a little bit caught in between trying to palm it out and trying to kind of like stop the ball dead and hold on to it, and then he's ended up doing neither and just leaving the ball, you know, nicely dangling there for uh, Wilson to get to. Yeah, I mean it was a great hit from Brooks. Um, yeah, I don't. I mean, I'm not going to attach as much blame to him for that goal. I, if anything, I think he's more liable for the first goal because the first first goal is kind of hit straight at him. Yeah. Um, whereas on the second one, I think that's a bit harsh. Okay. Um, so then suddenly, having dominated the game, looking absolutely fantastic again, loads and loads of kind of like battling spirit and energy going forward, loads of great chances, and somehow we're losing as we go into <laughs> half time. Um, but the thing that Ralph Hasenhutl does that's different from the previous managers we've had is he gets Saints fired up again. He get, he get, we don't collapse anymore when we concede. We try and continue to win the game. And James Ward-Prowse... Um, with a rare left-footed goal from outside the box. Yeah, but it was a positive, a positive substitution, wasn't it? Yeah, taking off. I think if I take a step back, we cannot defend with two centre backs. Like Saints are too bad at defending to have two centre backs. Like every time this season we tried two centre backs, generally it maybe you know it just hasn't worked. Um, and I think that you know as soon as we went to a back three with Bertrand slipping in at left centre-back, we looked so much better. And I wonder if, you know, if Vestergaard is going to be out for a little while, um, that could be something he tries, because it was a much more positive change. And, you know, James Ward-Prowse did a lot to like, and but you know, in terms of the build-up, in terms of his general contribution. But it was a great finish, and I think he just totally took Borok by surprise, didn't he? Yeah, I d- I mean, I don't know whether that's like, do you think that's because Boric played with James Ward-Prowse before, so thinks, oh, he doesn't have a left foot, there's no way he's going to hit a left-footed shot, and then suddenly he does, he goes into that near corner, and he just, I mean, he looked like he was wrong-footed, didn't he? Yeah, and James Ward-Prowse sort of passes it, it doesn't, it's a weird shot to go in, but I think, if you imagine, you know, Boric would have probably spent hours having James Ward-Prowse take free kicks and, and shots at him. No, probably, you know, until this season, not not enough which going in. Um, but he just totally wrong-footed him. And I also, like, fair play to James Hall-Prowse for trying something different. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I guess that's one of the interesting things, is that we seem to quite consistently be trying different things, and different things seem to be working quite regularly for us. 
um, like long shots, you know, like James Ward Prowse turning into some sort of kind of like battling animal that likes a tackle. Um, you know, like Shane Long scoring, like Redmond scoring, you know, we're trying different things and they're paying off. And it's it's almost like just a little bit of um, being brave and, and it can make a huge, huge difference. And um, I've, I've got to say, I think in, in a weird way, the last goal for us, the Matt Target goal, was was almost my favourite because... I, oh, I, it was brilliant. Yeah, it was a goal made in Southampton, wasn't it? Because there's a brilliant, there's a lovely bit of midfield play from James Ward Prowse to, to release Valerie. And one of the things, there's loads to love about this goal. So Ward Prowse's release is brilliant. And then Valerie does this sort of touch where he just takes it just beyond the Bournemouth player enough. He doesn't try and like get to the line. He just does enough. And then whips in this unbelievable, like ridiculous FIFA style cross. And then goofy Matt Target is just there like hanging in midair at the back post and like who'd have thought of all the people you could almost like hear on the commentary like they couldn't believe that Matt Target had somehow got there and got what was a you know if Andy Carroll or someone has got that header people would be raving about it it was brilliant there was a nice little bit as well I think if you watch the replay I think there's a bit where Borat gets a hand to it and Borat getting a hand to it there's a defender coming back on the line takes it just over the defender on the line so there's a little, little bit of comedy as well but yeah I think I mean if you I think it's probably one of the goals of the season from Saints because it was just so well done and like you say a bullet header yeah um, and then we have the equaliser again so oh, throwing, throwing the lead away for the second time in the game um, with Callum Wilson and I mean Stuart Armstrong seriously mate yeah, I mean, maybe that's the difference, isn't it? Maybe that's the difference between Scotland, you know, and, and Stuart Armstrong will learn. But Premier League, you know, Bournemouth aren't a great Premier League team, but they punished us. You know, they they surgically tore us apart. And it all was Armstrong sort of, you know, for no reason, sort of showboating, just being a bit casual in centre midfield. Yeah, and, th- and then he, like, loses the ball, appeals to the ref first... Gets turned down. <laughs> like... Yeah, because at least if you make the challenge, you get booked. At least you could say, well, I screwed up. I did the right thing tactically. But he just a, it was just a catalogue of errors. In many ways, he's lucky. He didn't, the referee did like, an ultimate insult to injury and call it yeah, after they'd scored to go back and then book Armstrong for the terrible attempted foul. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we, we leave it at 3-3. Um, we could talk about the other Bournemouth chance we could talk about the Bournemouth players cupping their ears towards the family stand um yeah could talk about Jack Stevens uh, again very lackadaisical on the ball I mean I think Jack Stevens has to reinvent himself as a uh, defensive midfielder because this centre-half stuff just isn't working out for him at all well he can't keep making mistakes when he's the one that's meant to be the the last line of defence and we've seen it yeah, too many times this season with him just making, and I really like him as a footballer, but he just seems to make really basic mistakes. Concentration. So, Tom, little game here, little quiz. So, had Saints managed to Saints have managed to hold on to the lead in every game that they played, they've got taken the lead in. Where do you think they would be in the table? Well, isn't it twenty-seven points now with that game on Saturday? Yeah, We've twenty-seven given points. Up. Uh, isn't it? I mean, I think some of this other day we'd be 
in seventh and comfortably in the Europa League, like guaranteed Europa League place. Yeah, I, well, actually, I think with um, yeah, with all of those twenty-seven points, we'd be level points with Manchester United. Perhaps you know, Jeez. if we hadn't conceded all of those goals, we'd maybe be okay on, on goal difference as well. But but that that is the difference, you know. And I think that's the thing that Ralph Hasenhutl needs to work on next season, almost more than anything else, is. You know, he, he's got to do something about the way that we concede leads. Um, it's, he's done an amazing job so far. Don't get me wrong. This is like no slight on Ralph Hasenhutl. I think he's absolutely wonderful, but we haven't fixed that problem yet. Yeah. I, know, I think a lot of it's psychological, isn't it? Where we just don't seem to believe we can hold a lead. And it's an older problem than Hasenhutl, to be fair. I mean, you know, one of the last few games, 2-0 up against Man United after what 19 minutes and you just knew didn't you you knew as soon as uh, Herrera scored that first goal for Man United you knew that they were going to get at least a point out of the game um, I don't know what he has to do I, I do think we lack we lack leaders I, I think we also just have a lot of players that make silly mistakes I think kind of Romeo makes you know a lot of silly sort of you know bits of the ball where he gets tackled and expects effects of fouls to be given Stevens makes silly errors you know, we saw Armstrong do one. We we seem to kind of make errors and then get punished for them an awful lot. Um, it'd be interesting if Duncan Alexander can sort of any stats on that. But we we do sort of get punished for our own mistakes, and that's something you know Ralph is going to have to cut out because that is the difference, isn't it? That's the difference between you know mid table to upper mid table mediocrity, and we'll be back down there again next year. Yeah, and and I suppose the other thing now is we can also start asking the questions of who do we need to buy in? What positions do we need? I know that you're a little bit pushed for time tonight, Tom, so let's put that one out to the listeners. Who should we be get, getting in the summer? Which players do you think we need to replace? Who is going to make the difference and make Southampton better at holding on to Leeds and, and turn us from a team that's battling to survive in the division to one that's battling to try and get into the Europa League places? Well, maybe at the end of the season, John could do that sort of, you know, an awards, the awards program, the legendary Saints FC podcast awards, yeah. and maybe sort of go through the squad and sort of see, you know, what their prospects are for the coming year. I, th- I think that's a that's a thoroughly good question. Um, we do have a couple of uh, bits of listener correspondence, Tom, which I need to pick up with you. It's the first one, and you can tell me you can have a little bit of time to think about this. I can come back to you later, or you can answer it straight up is uh, from Ralph's Revolution on Twitter, who asks, would you rather be alone forever <laughs> or never alone? And he, he, th- uh, he thinks we'd give different answers for this question, so I'm interested to know what you what you'd say. I would rather uh, be... So what is it? Alone forever or... Or, or never alone. I don't never, never alone. Yeah. Can you imagine a life of solitude? It'd go mad. Well, I mean, that's that's exactly the same that I'd have, never alone. And it's a really easy question for me, so... Interesting. John, you're a, you're a family man, you know, you're, you're a popular guy. What would you do? You'd go mad. We'd all go mad. I, th- I, I think you would, yeah. You'd kind of go Gollum-esque, wouldn't you, from, uh, yeah. from Lord of the Rings? So, um, the next thing, got a couple of emails. People have emailed in, SaintsFC podcast at gmail.com the first one um, I want to read out is from Chris Williams he says hi John Tom Pirate 
wow, what a turnaround. Ralph has changed so much about this club in only six months or so. The whole new ethos he's brought to the club is so much more exciting than I ever thought. He's been brave, honest, kind, supportive and truly meticulous in planning and carrying out the plan on the pitch. These are all qualities that Hughes did not show and he picks out what he thinks are his biggest changes that he's made. One, the sheer belief Ralph had in January to stick with and develop the players and particularly the youth was striking um, and goes on saying, you know, how many January mercenaries have we bought over the years that have left a big dent in the wage bill but a small impact on the pitch? Um, agree. Yeah, totally agree. The way he saw Saints' problems as a whole um, made fans part of the revival, brought the academy to train with the seniors, realised that the spirit and positive thinking needed to run from top to bottom and drive the change needed. So, like, you know, whole systems thinking, really, isn't it? Yeah, and that's what Saints were famous for before, wasn't it? The sort of, you know, every team from the like under sixes or whatever it was played the same way. And it's just brought that back. And I do agree with the youth team. I think if you, you know, this, uh, when he shipped out Suarez and you're like, well, so we've got a kid who's played like two games, he's going to be our first choice right back for the end of the season. You, you know, everyone, myself included, was a little bit alarmed, but you've got to have faith in Ralph. He knows what he's doing and he's getting the absolute best out of those players. Yeah, and, and and just the way that he's picked up the fans, like there's, I can't see that there's many or any Saints fans that could possibly be looking at Ralph Hasenhutl and thinking that they could be doing a better job. And I can't remember, it's probably Ronald Koeman, but even even Ronald Koeman in that amazing season where we finished um, sixth, there were still people kind of criticising his approach. Um, but but Ralph really has you know, brought the fan base together in, in a way that I've probably not seen since maybe Pochettino. Yeah, well, I think with Koeman, I think whilst everyone, I think, absolutely respects him as manager, and you can't argue with finishing sixth, that was an incredible achievement. He always felt a little bit transactional, and maybe that you knew he was always just going to ditch Saints as soon as he got a better offer. And I think another thing that kind of was a bit frustrating is that he took a better offer, which was Everton, which is actually a bit rubbish offer. You know, yeah, they're, you know, they're, sorry, they're a quote-unquote bigger club, but it wasn't like he went to one of the greats. You know, Pochettino, uh, you know, went to Spurs. You know, it's a, you know, it's a great football club. But I think with Ralph, you're absolutely right. He's just kind of engendered this positivity and this warmth and this feeling of, you know, it's that sort of classic American politician test of would you have a beer with him? And I think, you know, you'd have several beers with Ralph. Yeah. Well, and he bought every fan a beer in his first game, you know. He did. He knows the way around. Yeah. He knows the way to our hearts, doesn't he, John? He does. He does. Um, also, he says, you know, Ralph trusted his system and picked the players to fit that rather than the other way around. Although I'm not 100% agreeing with, with Chris here on that because um, his 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 main system is the four two two two, And he's seen on the few occasions that he's tried four at the back that it doesn't work. And so he has played five at the back. But in terms of the kind of attitude and the high pressing, he's looked for the players that have fitted his mindset and his philosophy to football much more than he has, um, you know, just like try to kind of almost let let the kind of like seniority of the players choose the way the team should be lined up. Yeah, and if you think about, I mean, we talk about him a lot, but James Ward-Prowse, you would never have thought that you know, one of our sort of midfield destroyers would end up being James Ward-Prowse and would be, you know, one of the first names on the team sheet. But Ralph has done that. He's, he's 
these are all really top class footballers as all Premier League footballers are um, and it's just about instilling the right mindset you know and making them play to the system and the system works when they all do it together you know much like with Pochettino it really it really works and, and Saints you know they're a delight to watch now aren't they just harassing defenders and goalkeepers every single second of the game yeah it's, it's just exciting to watch isn't it Okay, and so Chris's fourth and final point is uh, he mentored players on an individual level, giving them clear goals and support and actual goals. James Ward-Prowse with aggression, you know, trusting his ability. Shane Long, run your heart out and the goals will come. Valerie, young player that he supported and has managed to kind of flourish. Ralph kind of added that little je ne sais quoi. I don't know what the Austrian for je ne sais quoi is, but whatever that is, <laughs> um, you know, that, that, that's, that's what he's done as well. Yeah, and it's he's turned Redmond into a player that you can imagine other teams look at and they go, they oh, we don't want to play against that. Yeah, that's the guy you don't want to play against because Redmond has it all, doesn't he? Like he has pace, he has mental attitude. Now he has, you know, he's getting the finishing. You know, next season, if you know, unfortunately, he'll be on the radar of some of the, the you know the bigger sort of Champions League European clubs. But and if he does, he deserves that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So. I mean, Chris, thank you very much for your email. If you want to follow Chris Williams on Twitter, uh, tw- tw- Twitter, Twitter, it's at Chris underscore Strat on Twitter. <laughs> Tom, what's happened to you? You're breaking up. Tom, are you moving around your house? Maybe it was Titter. It was, it was Titter. Well, I'm here. It's my Wi-Fi. Is it your Wi-Fi? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, I can. Is my Wi-Fi playing up. You sound a little bit robotic. And at that point, Tom's uh, Wi-Fi cut out and it didn't come back. So I'm afraid we weren't able to talk about the West Ham game. Uh, Tom is heading across to that, though. So if you do fancy uh, saying hello to him when he's there, um, he'll be at the London Stadium. Um, big thanks to all of you who emailed in. If you'd like us to discuss your email on the show, uh, do say saintsfcpodcast at gmail.com and we'll try and get on to that. Um, but otherwise... Yeah, let's look forward to next season in the Premier League. Hopefully uh, a couple of nice results to finish the season with and a a big party at St Mary's on the final day of the season against Huddersfield. Um, But until then, uh, that's all for now. Come on, you Reds.